Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. Welcome to a new episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. Just to go ahead and get the business out of the way first, Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you like what you hear, you want to do something nice, please share on social media, tell a friend, or of course, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Facebook. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots In. Well, I hope all of our U.S. listeners had a happy Thanksgiving. I know I did. I apologize there was no show last week in addition to it being Thanksgiving. I know everyone's tired of hearing about this, but I uh, finally got my move through. I finally was able to move. Literally, we moved 10 minutes down the road, and I felt like we were moving to a different country because we had to pack everything up, and we had to move into the new house, and now we've got to unpack everything and get it set up for ourselves. I think moving might be my least favorite thing. So in addition to it being Thanksgiving last week and me actually moving, I just thought it would be a good time. You know, hey, we'll take a week off. That's something I don't want to get in the habit of doing. I want to go ahead and try to keep a regular schedule and every Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. have something to you guys. I think it's real important to keep the content flowing. So I apologize that we didn't have a show, but from here on out, uh, going through, we should. And we've got a great show this week. Rob DeMaio stopped by to go ahead and chat with us about the first year of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And oh my God, he had some great stories. For those newer fans who might not be all that familiar with the history of the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's quite a story. And it's definitely something that I think back in the day would have made a great 80s comedy. And I actually talk about that with Rob. And before we get to the interview, I'll go ahead and give you some more background on that. But I got to give a special shout out to Tim Taylor, our guest in our last episode. Tim actually introduced me to Rob and Barrett Jackman, and he was so helpful. He literally said, who do you want to talk to? I'll see who I can reach out with. And I knew Tim was involved with the St. Louis Blues. And I saw that Rob DeMaio was involved in the organization and Barrett Jackman. I said, I want to talk to these two guys. And literally I had a text message the next day from Tim. He said, hey, here's Barrett's number. Give him a text. And then Rob DeMaio got back a few days later and said, hey, I heard you want to talk to me. And Tim didn't have to do any of that. But it just goes to show you what kind of guy he is. And he's just a normal, everyday guy, just like the rest of us. And he had a fun time doing the interview. And he said, sure, I'll try to introduce you to a few guys. And it was great. And as you guys heard, this is the last of that three. I did one with Tim, which we released last week. I did one with Barrett a few weeks ago. I think it was episode three or four, um, which you can go back and listen to those in our archives as well. So thank you to the entire St. Louis Blues organization. I hope things kind of turn around out there. I saw that they just named Craig Berube as the new coach this past week. Um, You know, I don't know if he's the answer. I hope that he helps. I don't know if Baruby's really a long-term coach for them, but we will see. We will see. But thank you to Tim. And also, hey, thanks for Rob for coming on the show. Rob was great. Rob was funny. I called him and he picked up around eight o'clock at night. I said, hey, Rob, you still willing to do this? He said, yeah. I said, okay, do you have this amount of time? And he was like, well, wait a second. How long is this going to take? And we started talking. And next thing you know, we talked for about an hour and he was so cool and nice and, and didn't have to take time out of his evening to talk with me and reminisce about his days with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he did. And I can't thank these guys enough for all the players that come on the show and and uh, allow us to document their experiences. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but all these interviews actually go to the Hockey Hall of Fame and go up to Phil Pritchard. And the idea here is I'm trying to build a database, not necessarily for them, but maybe for everybody, I guess where we have all these old hockey stories that people can relive and listen to whenever you have a few minutes or if you're riding to work in the morning. And I've had a lot of fun doing this podcast. And part of the fun part for me is getting to meet 
and talk to different people from all over. And I had one uh, person that listens to the show reach out, Greg Schneider. I just want to give him a quick shout out. I enjoyed conversing with him over Twitter this week. And um, also, if you follow us on Twitter, you might have noticed that I've kind of added a new feature. Once a day, I post a random snapshot where basically it's just a random history tidbit. Maybe I picked up during research or something that didn't have enough time to squeeze into the interview, but I wanted to share. I thought it was interesting. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to keep up with those. Uh, I post them about once a day. I'm trying to do twice a day. They're just little random facts. I talked about how Scott Stevens almost wasn't a Washington Capitol and how Curtis Joseph almost became a New Jersey devil. So make sure you please follow us on Twitter for that. As I said, this week's interview with Rob DeMaio focuses on his time with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And as I mentioned, I want to give you a little bit of background information The Tampa Bay Lightning were set up by Phil Esposito as an expansion team during the early 90s as the NHL was was trying to grow and expand. And Phil Esposito had previously worked as the GM for the New York Rangers. And I guess he got this idea. I don't know how it came about. I'd actually really like to do an interview with him and really hear the whole backstory on it. But anyways, he had this idea where he wanted to bring a team to Tampa. But the only problem was he had a lot of trouble with the funding. And so throughout it, there was the Duke of Manchester evidently put up some money. Then he bailed. But there were other investors that came forward, but then they couldn't do it. And then Phil Esposito brought in some investors from Japan and they ended up fronting some money, but then they missed a payment along the way that was due to the league prior to the expansion. It just seemed kind of like a comedy that would be produced in Hollywood. So here's part one of our interview with Rob DeMaio. For you, you kind of were part of a unique thing. You were part of the first Tampa Bay Lightning, but before you were part of that team, you were in the Islanders organization. So I'm curious. I was, yeah. You know, I'm curious for you, hearing that there's going to be this massive expansion as a player that's young in the league, what are your thoughts on it at the time? Uh, You know what? I remember the veteran guys talking about it all the time, like the guys like Brian Trottier and and, and the older guys, Kenny Morrow, guys that, that, that I kind of uh, I started out with. Those were the guys that, that, that were really interested in it because there's, I guess, another... 40 jobs that were going to be available uh, in the league. So, you know, it kept guys around longer, which was a good thing for them. But for me personally, you know, I I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I didn't, I wasn't expecting to be made available, but you know, those things do happen. And um, it turned out to be probably the best thing that ever happened to me, to be quite honest with you. I, I got a real good opportunity to play and then that led to, to a lot of other opportunities with different teams. So, um, you know, it worked out real well for me. There's nine cities that the NHL's considering expanding into. San Diego, Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, Miami, Milwaukee, Houston, Seattle, Hamilton, and Ottawa. And of course, they end up picking Tampa Bay and Ottawa. The franchise fee is only $50 million. And I say only $50 million. Don't get me wrong. That's a ton of money. But I mean, what did Vegas pay like last year just to have a franchise in the league? I think it was, and, and then I think Seattle's talking about like 650 or something like that. It just shows you how much the game has grown and, and credit some of those untraditional markets for, for, for that. I mean, they, they've, they've like Tampa. I mean, they've had great success. They have great support there. And, you know, it's just up the values of the franchises all over the league. You know, the game is what it is today. And, you know, I guess you, you, you have to thank Gary Gutman for his vision on, on where he saw the game going. I'll give Bettman a lot of credit for that. But one of the things going back to the the $50 million that was interesting to me is I feel like Phil Esposito had the darndest time actually putting this deal together. Did you ever hear 
anything about the Petzger family or the Japanese investors or the, the, the Duke of Manchester. It seems like there were groups in and out of this at all times. Yeah, it, it, that, that was something I remember uh, from, you know, from how the players, how we used to talk about it. Like we weren't sure, like the Japanese investment at the time was, was the big thing. But we'd never seen any of them. Like, it was just like, you're talking about ghosts, basically, because the players, I mean, myself, personally, I never saw anybody. So it was hard for to put a face to, to a name and, and or to a group. And, and we weren't sure. And then we heard all kinds of different, you know, rumors about different groups involved in, in, in the purchase of the team. And, you know, all of it was just real talk. You know, we didn't know what was the truth and what wasn't. I mean, none of that was really shared with, with the players. I, I knew what, what, what the fans knew for the most part. It was an interesting time. And I guess there was a $22 million payment, 22500 due to the league by the Lightning in, I believe it was June. And they actually missed the payment. And then we find out that some of the ownership is not able to fulfill their agreement. And so Phil's looking for more financial support. I feel like Phil Esposito is almost like a Vince McMahon type promotion character. What were your impressions of Phil when you first get to Tampa? He was bigger than life for me just because of who he was and as a player. And, you know, the name behind Phil Esposito and everything that he's achieved with, with Team Canada and, and, you know, the Bruins and, and, you know, the Stanley Cups and, and just the type of player that he was, just, you know, an incredible goal scorer and, and, you know, an elite player in his day. And he had a personality that was really bigger than anything that I've ever seen. And, you know, he carried this persona around and, and, you know, he was outgoing, outspoken, what he wanted to do, but yet he was, you know, if I look at it just from a hockey perspective and the type of guy that he was, like very knowledgeable man, very smart man, and always had a vision of something, you know, and, you know, between him and his brother, I don't know if it was just those two that, 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 that had this idea of, of putting a team in Tampa, but um, I'm certainly glad that they did. And two real good, uh, two real good people. April of 91, Phil Esposito actually announces that he's going to hire his brother, Tony, as the director of hockey operations. And I think the rest of the Esposito family, some of their kids were also in the front office. But going back to Phil being such a character, there was a great quote, and I don't know if you ever saw this, and it was basically with the Japanese investors. He said, the more we drank, the more it made sense. Later, they were surprised to learn that they invested in a hockey team. And <laughs> that was the reaction I was looking for. I almost feel like this was like an 80s movie, the way everything that came together. Now that we've kind of gotten some of the background, let's talk more about you and how you get tied in with the team on June 8th, 1992, the expansion draft is held. You're taken, and I know you weren't expecting to be taken. What was your initial reaction? Yeah, I left unprotected in, in New York. I mean, there was a there was a group ahead of me there that, that, that were real talented, and that's, that was a very loyal organization to, to some of their older players. So, you know what? Honestly, I remember at the time I was like, Okay, I, I I don't I don't even know if I was told that I was left available. All of a sudden, I got a phone call that I was chosen by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the expansion draft, and you're going to Tampa. So I mean, it, it happened basically like that for me. There was no build up to it. There was no expectation that I might get taken or anything like that. It just happened, and the next thing you know, I'm uh, I'm in Tampa at a, a new facility, and and um, a whole new organization with a bunch of guys that I don't know and 
you know, we're starting a, an expansion team. So it was, uh, it was an interesting time, to say the least. Do you remember who you got the original phone call from? I got the phone call from Phil. I remember that, and that, that was something that I won't forget. I mean, it was an interesting phone call. I said, Robbie, uh, we selected you in the expansion draft. I'd like to get you down here to Tampa so we can introduce you and uh, start this organization. So that was, a, that was a pretty special time for me when, uh, when I got a call from Phil Esposito. I know you and Joe Ricci were teammates on the Islanders, and he got taken in the draft. Was there anybody else that you knew through junior or playing in the American League that you were friendly with and you were excited to, to have the opportunity to play with? Mark Bergevin, uh, yeah, not sure. through junior, but through yeah through through the American Hockey League in, in New York. We played together in both places. We won a Calder Cup together, and uh, so Berge came aboard there, which was which was pretty neat. But other than that, really, there was there was it, it was a bunch of new guys that I didn't know. And uh, so I, I really had no connection with, with, with anybody other than uh, uh, Joe and, and, uh, and uh, Mark. Phil Esposito invites you to come down. You meet up with Bob McGill to check out Tampa for the first time. You've got to be probably, I don't know, 24 years old. What were your first impressions of the city, the fans, kind of hanging out with Phil and his brother, uh, Tony? You know, what were your th- kind of take me back and, and tell me what you were feeling during all that. Well, first of all, it was Tampa, so it was a neat place, warm weather. Absolutely. Didn't seem like a hockey market. Didn't seem like anything, you know, as far as hockey-wise that I was accustomed to. I came from out west, from from Calgary, where I grew up, and uh, and then I'm on the island with, with a pretty legendary hockey team, or, or they're at the tail end of their, their legendary status. And it was just a totally different environment that, untraditional, uh, didn't really know what to expect just knew that uh we're kind of a group of misfits that was thrown together and <laughs> trying to make a hockey team right that that tried to make something put something together that uh that we could be proud of and um you know we had a we had an interesting year uh the first year you know we didn't win a whole lot but we won a little bit and the times that we did win was really exciting early september training camp starts and there's 72 players in camp the national media is there because you have the first female goaltender, man in Rome there, as well as a Tampa yeah. Bay draft pick, Brent Gretzky. Here's kind of what I picture, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rocky Four when he starts training, or in Rocky Three, and the media is everywhere, and there's lights and things like that. I kind of picture the Tampa Bay Lightning training camp just being massive and with all this attention. Was it like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Manon, when she came to camp, I guess you, you you probably look at it, and it, if you're if you're honest about it, as more of a publicity stunt mm-hmm. and more to draw attention to the team. And and but to her credit, she came in to a really hard situation, and actually really did well for herself. And nobody knew what to expect, and everybody probably was thinking the same thing. But you know, it was a lot of show, a lot of cameras, a lot of you know, a lot of national media everywhere, which was. You know, were they doing it for the right reason or wrong reason? That's debatable. But, you know, from what we saw of of her as a goaltender, I mean, she was competitive and she worked and, uh, you know, she was willing to stand in and and she did she did real well for herself. So that 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 was something that she should be very proud of. But, you know, it did put a spotlight on Tampa Bay and, and the National Hockey League, which which is obviously what they wanted to do. And, you know, 
I don't know if it's a PR stunt, but uh, it turned out to be more than that. It turned out to be, you know, something that was probably special for her. I can't speak for her, but it was something, you know, that the, the NHL and, and the Tampa Bay Lightning should, were, were and should be proud of. Speaking of training camp, you're down there. You're starting to get to know some of the members of the team. Is there anybody that you became close with during camp that you developed some relationships with? Yeah, Pat Jablonski, uh, Rob Zaminer, the young guys, uh, Mikhail Anderson, Roman Hamilton, he was very young, like he was 18. So, yeah, pretty much those guys, those are guys that, that weren't married. You know, we were all single guys living down there, and we, we hung out. We went to lunch every day. I mean, we were kind of living the life. It was, it was a real fun time for us, that's for sure. Was there a bar or hangout that you guys had, or were you just all over the city? Yeah, we were kind of all over the place. Nothing real specific to, for the most part, but, um, you know, we picked and choose wherever the hot spot was for that weekend or that week, whatever it was, and that's where we'd go. <laughs> so, no, it sounds great. And one guy I'm hoping maybe you got to go out with that was in camp was Ron Dugay, because this guy just seems like the funnest guy in the world. He was trying to make a comeback. Do you recall uh, him being around camp at all? Yeah, training camp. Uh, I just remember being on a on a flight with him. I think I don't know if it was a charter flight or commercial flight or whatever it was. Or we were on a bus, and I can't. I can't it was one of the two. Or I think it was on the bus. I think we we're we we're going for an exhibition game, and Ron sat at the very back. And basically, you know, he'd sit at the back, and it was just like a crowd formed all around him in all the seats and stand and <laughs> listen to him telling stories. I mean some of the stuff that, that, that that man's experienced in his life in his professional hockey life is, you know, legendary. And, um, you know, so I think everybody was from the veteran guys to, to, to the young guys were all in, in, in awe of him. Final preseason games are coming up. There's a t- you guys play against the Philadelphia Flyers and you play against Eric Lindros, who at the time is a rookie and has just come off this whole saga with Quebec and Oshawa and team Canada what were your initial thoughts of Eric Lindros when you saw him play? And I know you played later with him in Philadelphia. Uh, just to, he, he was, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, he was, he was a man amongst boys as an 18 year old. Like that's, sure. that's what it felt like. The guy was just so strong, so big, so talented. And he had a mean streak in him that, that you just, you had no choice, but to really be aware of him. Right. Um, yeah, he he was a presence, and you know I remember playing against him when I was in Tampa. It was during the regular season, and went into a corner with him, and you know it was a I hit him as hard as I could, and kind of bounced up against the boards, and I ended up kind of in a bad <laughs> position, and he literally picked me up and did a body like body slam me over his knee, Jesus. and it's like I wasn't even I wasn't even there. It's like he was he he was that strong of a man a boy really at that time and just, he got stronger as time went on too. So, um, yeah, he, he was somebody that, uh, I loved playing with and I hated playing against. Did guys look at him for that Quebec move and, and kind of look down upon him and say, Hey, you know, this isn't something that you, you don't appreciate what you've been given or is it just business? This is just business. You don't want to play in a smaller market. We get it. I think a, a little bit of both. I think he just, upended the apple cart basically like he he threw everything you know as a player do what you're told to do go where you go draft you where you're drafted you're drafted blah 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 and all that all that stuff well he threw all that on on its 
on its upside down, basically. And, and, you know, he had an idea of what he wanted to do, and very few guys have the power and um, the ability to do that. And I don't know the reasons why I'm good friends with Eric, but I've never really had this conversation with him. So um, he obviously had, had his own thoughts on things, and he stuck to them. So, you know, I, I, I don't have a I don't have a bad thing to say about Eric. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Awesome. So, exciting time. We're getting ready for opening night. The Tampa Bay Lightning are supposed to play in this new 18,500-seat arena. And, oh, by the way, the arena is not going to be ready for two years. So, we end up renting and playing at the fairgrounds. What do you remember yeah. about the fairgrounds? The fairgrounds was unique. Our locker room, basically, it was, it was, it was a room with a door that opened up to the back to the parking lot where we spent a lot of our time outside before we got ready for games. There's a little fishing pond back there that I remember Roman Hamilak would go fish before, <laughs> I don't know if it was before games or before practices or whatever he did, but it was just, you know, it was a small little building. We had our reunion there uh, last year and, and we went and visited it and we were like, wow, this place, you know, it was, it was wild. It was crazy in there with the fan support. But it was a small little building, up to NHL standards, really. But it was unique. How's that? That is that, that is one word, the best way to unique. describe it. It had to be. <laughs> Speaking of excitement and wild times, the party starts against Chicago. You guys end up playing against Chicago in Tampa. What a start to this thing. Chris Contos has, a, has four goals. He came to camp on just a tryout. And then Joe Ricky had two assists. You had two assists. Can you take us yeah. back to the excitement of that evening? Yeah, that that's one thing that I is in etched in my brain really. I mean that that was a real special night for everybody. I mean, there was so much work that that went into getting that organization just there in the first place, and then you know a bunch of us players didn't really know what to expect, and they threw us together, and we're playing Chicago, which was a real powerhouse at that time. And they were a good team in the league, and you know we had lots of energy. We had uh, you know we like you said Brian Bradley and. Chris Contos was had had a real big night, but everybody played real well from the goaltender all the way out, and just the excitement around it. You know, we 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 stepped on him early, and we didn't let him off the hook, which was which was really a, a special night, and that that that's one night that I won't forget. Uh, it sounds like it was incredible. And speaking of the Lightning, what was kind of the strategy that you guys were using? Were you guys playing a system? Was it a defensive mind? I know Esposito was big on building from the goal out. What was kind of the thought process in the strategy? Uh, well, Terry Crisp, I mean, he came off some success in in, uh, in Calgary, and you know, he's a good coach. Uh, you know, obviously, we had to we had to worry about defense first, and we weren't going to beat teams, you know, offensively with running gun hockey. So we had to take care of our own end and play solid defense first. And so those were the things that, 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 that he certainly stressed. I mean, you know, we had some guys that, that were talented offensive players kind of, you know, that, that maybe didn't get the opportunity in other places, but, but were talented guys. And then we had, we had a lot of role players, a lot of, a lot of high energy guys, a lot of guys that, that, you know, played a role on different teams, whether it was physical or, you know, defensive roles or penalty killers or whatever it was. So we had a, we had a pretty decent mix of veteran guys, young guys, and we just went out and played, you know, we didn't worry about it. You know, we knew that we were going to take our lumps somewhere along the line, but that first game, especially we wanted to put a, put a good foot forward and, and, 
play with that kind of energy, but you can't sustain that type of energy for, for whatever it was, 72 games, I believe it was at the time. That would have been hard to do, but for that first game, boy, we were offline. We were offline. I think my favorite, though, was when Chris Contos scored his hat trick. A fan threw the hat on the ice, and I don't know if you heard this, but security actually went to escort that fan out. They weren't familiar with the tradition of the hat trick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, they, 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 they learned. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't say quickly, but you know, all the nuances of of what most fans just do, they had no idea. You know, either either unless you were one of the the Canadians that fans that they were down on, you know, during the winter time. For the most part, the local Floridians didn't have a clue about hockey. I just loved. I just loved that. And you talk about taking your lumps, but. The lumps did not start for quite a while. This first part of the season was exciting. You guys play the St. Louis Blues. You have your first goal as a uh, as a member of the Lightning, which was a beaut. Do you remember that one? You know what? I don't remember it. I'll be honest with you. You know what? I don't what? remember the goal. It was a highlight reel goal. It was beautiful. It should be shown on TV uh, every day, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So the excitement keeps rolling, though, and you guys go to Chicago and play in Chicago. And you have a hell of a game. You're on a uh, you're you're on a point streak at this point. The game ends up being a four four tie. You end up fighting Dirk Graham, and Basil McRae ends up fighting Stu Grimson, and uh, Basil goes yeah. down and breaks his leg, and you end up getting a concussion. I mean, a couple things about this. For for one, the concussion. I mean, when did you even realize you had a concussion? It doesn't sound like you really sat out. Yeah, much. I don't know. I don't know. Even if I, I you know, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if I had a concussion. I don't know if it was even diagnosed as a concussion at that point. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I got that in the fight. It was. It was. A, it was from a hit, I believe, that I that that um, I took in the game. I don't know where it was in the game, but I remember it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't remember if it was diagnosed as a concussion or not. You're, you're going back to you're challenging me here. I must have had a concussion because I don't remember. Hey, man, it's all good. It's all, you're not supposed to remember everything. I just kind of wanted to more focus on the fight with Dirk Graham. Like I saw that name and was like, oh my god, Blackhawks legend. Like, and he's probably towards the end of his career. And here you're a young guy coming up. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't my. Yeah, if I recall, it wasn't. I remember the fight. It, it wasn't much of a fight. I mean, I. I'd fought some tough guys previous years and, and Dirk's more my size, but real tough guy, like real, you know, savvy fighter and, and hit pretty hard. So I do remember, I remember taking a shot from him. I remember that. And, you know, I think it was a fairly even fight at the end. And, uh, but one of those ones that, Hey, yeah, Dirk Graham, like I, I, I got to put that on my resume. That was pretty cool. And I see, I still see Dirk around every once in a while with, with on the scouting circuit. So I see him quite a bit. I know in the interview, Rob talked about Brent Gretzky, and he's not a guy that you hear too much about. I mean, he was a third-round pick, I believe, 49th overall by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the early 90s, and he only played a handful of games for Tampa. I remember him getting recalled during, I think, the 93-94 season, so after the inaugural year when the Kings were coming to town, and it was promoted as a Wayne versus Brent Gretzky game, and they tried to get the media all hyped into it, and it just goes back to something that we talked about in the interview about Phil Esposito. I'll give Phil Esposito a ton of credit. I never really saw him play hockey, but I did see him promote hockey, and he was a hell of a promoter. He does remind me of Vince McMahon. He knows how to get people excited, and he knows how to entertain people. And he really has done it all. I mean, other than Mario Lemieux, I can't think of a guy who played in the NHL, owned a team, and now he's doing commentary. He's literally done everything possible to do in hockey. Anyways, 
Thanks for tuning in. Please don't forget to join us on Thursday at 8 a.m. for part two of our interview with Rob DeMaio, where we talk about the rest of the Tampa Bay Lightning's inaugural season. We'll catch you on the flip side. Talk to you then.